ultimately the definition of authenticity is it is a state of being. And this is not necessarily the technical definition, but basically a moment to moment practice of having self-awareness and being honest about how you're thinking, feeling, and acting. Mm. Are your thoughts, emotions, and actions in line with your true values? Mm. And so this is more of a state of being than a goal you can achieve, right? Because oftentimes we say, oh, I got to learn to be authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It takes self-awareness. It takes conscious thought. And that's instead of believing your subconscious programming, because we so often believe this subconscious programming that we have is who we really are. Welcome to the Vegan Life Coach Podcast, where we coach you to coach yourself. And now it's time to become plan empowered with your co-hosts, 25-year vegan Ella Majors and mindset master Stephanie Aguilar. Hey, hey, Empowered Vegan Lifers, Ella here with my co-host. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Ella. Are you excited for the weekend? Oh, it's the weekend? Yes, it is the weekend. And guess what? It is the weekend that our intensive starts. Duh. Oh my gosh. I am so (laughs) excited when this comes out. It will have already started, but but what a group we have. Oh my gosh. Amazing (laughs) group. Amazing group. I, I don't know if I've ever been this excited to start. This is a dream group. You know how you, you really have kind of, I mean, we love all of our clients. Yes, we do. And we kind of take from each of them and are like, okay, this, these qualities would just make the best dream group. We have the dream group. Agreed. A thousand percent. And funny enough, I was speaking to one of them doing their food and fitness consult. And we were talking about creating quick, healthy dinners. She said, you know, I've kind of got breakfast and lunch. I kind of got that down. But when it comes to coming home exhausted from my day, I don't want to spend any time in the kitchen. That's when I screw up and go and just, you know, eat convenience food and, and everything goes down the drain. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, what kind of a food person are you? Meaning I asked are you a foodie? Are you somebody that really needs, you know, this extravagant meals to feel satisfied? Are you somebody who hates leftovers? I know. Are you, you're, you're a leftover hater. I hate leftovers. Yeah. I love leftovers. Right. So they're just different types. So she said, well, I don't love leftovers, but I'll eat them and I'm not a foodie. And I was like, all right, well, let me give you, let me give you what I had for dinner last night and just see what you think. And uh, she said, okay, what was it? And I said, well, I took out a bag of frozen peas. I boiled them for five minutes. I see your face. We're going to get back to your face. Okay. Just hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Interrupting the story. Okay. Yeah. You're distracting me with your, with your, with my face, with my my pea face. With your pea face. Okay. Sorry. You took out the bag of peas. I took out the bag of peas. (laughs) I, I boiled the entire bag of peas for five minutes as I was toasting some walnuts. I drained the peas, put them in a big bowl. I sprayed a little bit of olive oil on them. I put the toasted walnuts on top and sprinkled some Herbamere seasoning salt on it and ate my dinner. It was ready in eight minutes. 
<laughs> well, I would say 10 because the water had to boil. So 10 minutes, but not, not all of that was work. And she said, oh my gosh, I never thought of doing something like that. I love peas. I'm going to do that. And I said, oh, well, this is great. You're open to this because I do the same thing with lots of different uh, bags of frozen vegetables and legumes um, like lima beans. She's like, I love lima beans. I said, I do the same thing with lima beans. So my point is not that's not going to work for everybody, but there are a lot of people, especially people like me who are just cooking for themselves that aren't foodies that can can do something like that. And once you get used to it, it's it's a great it's a great meal. Yeah. Oh, well, so now let's talk about your face. I'm sorry. My, fa- I, that's my pee face. My pee face has been my pee face since I was probably <laughs> two. Ugh. We're talking about They're, sweet green peas, right? Ugh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have many foods that I dislike, especially vegetables. I can tell you, I love almost every vegetable, but peas, peas are, wow. ugh. This is blowing me away. I don't think I've ever met somebody that I know of that doesn't at least like find them okay. I mean, just like finding them disgusting like you do. This is very interesting. No, I can't. What about Brussels sprouts? I love Brussels sprouts. What about lima beans? Right. But peas are not okay. No, they're squishy and they're surprising and they're, they smell bad. This is, this is fascinating. Who else out there? I want to know, <laughs> get into our empowered vegan life Facebook group. And I want to know where the other P haters are, because this is, oh, do you yeah. think that you really think there are other P haters where, Oh yeah, we're around. We find, <laughs> we find each other and we, we talk about it. <laughs> Can we go and do a poll? I think like we need to go and yes. do a poll, like today. Let's, let's do a poll. Let's do a poll about peas. Yes. You guys you will have- find I'm not alone. You guys, this is the fun stuff we do in the Empowered Vegan Life group on Facebook. So I know there are a lot of people that listen to podcasts don't love Facebook and I get that. But if you can just go and bookmark our one group and be <laughs> yes. a part of our one group, we have a lot of fun in there. You know, yes, a lot yes. of value, but also a lot of fun. So let's let's do a poll. I'm yeah, so curious. What's your prediction? And then we got a report next week on next podcast about our prediction. What percentage of people who answer the poll are going to say they do not like peace? I'm going to say 15%, which probably is surprising that it's that high for most people. Cause I do think it's a very common vegetable. All right. Well, I'm going to go the under, I'm going to go under and I I'm going to okay. say 8%. Ooh, so basically okay. half of what you say. All right. All right. All right. This is so interesting. I just, love this. I know, you know, just a funny little aside to this. I, I hate peas so much that I never buy them and I never bought them when my kids were young and they would go to grandma's and ask for peas, not cookies, not candy. They would ask for peas because they love peas. They love peas so much. Yes. But you can't even, well, it sounds like you can't even stand the smell of them. So I cannot even stand the smell of them. They make me gross. Yeah. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love learning new things about you after all these years. After all these years, I'm, I'm still surprising. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're a phenomenon. Yeah. There's so many things you just have left to discover. I can't wait. I can't (laughs) wait. And I love that we get to discover them oftentimes right here. With our audience. I know. I know. Fabulous. When we record. Yes. (laughs) All right. So should we get into today's topic? Let's do it. 
All right. Our topic today is barriers to authenticity. Mm -hmm. And we hear that word authenticity all the time, like more and more, I feel like. Yeah. Do you think it's lost any of its value in terms of like, not the actual definition, but when people say authentic, you know, when we use a word too much and it kind of just, because it's such an important state of being. Yeah. So I do think that it's lost its impact, maybe not its meaning, but it's impact Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's put that aside for this, the purpose of this show, because, you know, ultimately the definition of authenticity is it is a state of being. And this is not necessarily the technical definition, but basically a moment to moment practice of having self-awareness and being honest about how you're thinking, feeling, and acting. Mm. Are your thoughts, emotions, and actions in line with your true values? Mm. And so this is more of a state of being than a goal you can achieve, right? Because oftentimes we say, oh, I got to learn to be authentic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It takes self-awareness. It takes conscious thought. And that's instead of believing your subconscious programming, because we so often believe this subconscious programming that we have is who we really are. And so that takes away from our ability to be self-aware because we can't be self-aware of, we can be self-aware of the subconscious program. Then we can become aware of who we really are. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And the other thing it takes is being willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And we say it all the time. There is no failure, only feedback. We need to make a calendar. I know we've said this before, but I (laughs) really want to put it on our to-do list with all the isms that we we recommend. Yeah, we do. Ism per day. Yes, we do. And and that's such a good one. No failure, only feedback. Yes. So it takes the willingness to be vulnerable. It takes the willingness to see failure as feedback and a desire to learn and grow from your experiences, both positive and negative. Yeah. So that's it. Easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Only, only that. <laughs> well, let's talk about those barriers. Let's do it. So the first barrier, the way I see it, and of course you can have a different uh, opinion about this, Stephanie, I give you permission. How about that? just kidding, Uh, is shame. If you had to define shame, Stephanie, really based on the group of clients we work with, what would be your definition of shame? I'm curious. Yeah. I think that shame as opposed to guilt, I think that it's a good, it's a good comparison. You know, guilt is I've done something wrong. Whereas shame is I am something wrong, you know, by comparing those, I think it just really drives home what the point of shame is, is that it's so much more internal. It has nothing to do with our actions. It has everything to do with just who we are and that we're shameful of, of who we are. Yes. Thousand percent. And there are a few things that can really uh, keep us in a state of shame. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those have to do with fear. Yeah. Fear of judgment, fear of rejection. And this causes us to not ask for what we want or need. And it keeps us feeling this false sense of safety, right? When it's really just isolating us. Why is it that we really think that people are going to be so hard on us when we know we're not hard on other people in those same ways? Why, Why is that? I think a lot of it has to do with, we only get to see the external. 
Whereas we get the whole shebang when we're with ourselves, you know, like we understand what's going on internally for ourselves and we only present to the world what we want people to see. That's also only what we're seeing is someone else's presentation. And so it is isolating because we're all going through it. And many of us are going through the same types of shame, the same types of problems, Mm -hmm. but it is that sense, that comparison. I just look back into all the years of my adulthood that I spent in a state of shame, not being able to define it at the time. You know, when you're in it, it's hard to see it. But the freedom that came along with saying, you know, F it, I'm, I'm ready to be vulnerable. I don't want to keep this hidden anymore. I don't want to be isolated anymore. And taking that risk. And the freedom that that brought me was, was the freedom that I needed to actually step into my authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the surprising time. Every time we are willing to confront that shame and bring it into the light of vulnerability, every single time, it's surprising that it's a relief and that you're not more shameful. And it's such an amazing paradox that... (laughs) That even your one experience often leads to another, but when that shame rears its head again, we don't remember that feeling of freedom. And it's so funny. I feel so free that I think maybe I share a little too much sometimes. (laughs) Might give people a little more information than they want, Uh, but I'd rather go that direction, honestly, than than the other. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So another barrier uh, would be perfectionism. Mm, Yep. (laughs) And that's one I am definitely still recovering from. I am very well along my path of recovery. What about you? Well, I'm not a perfectionist. No, I know. There are areas of my life where I have struggled with perfectionism. Back to one of those episodes that we did earlier. If you want to get shit done, you got to give up perfectionism. You know, if you want to be a boss lady, you got to give it all up because that's just a rat race. You are never going to win ever. That's correct. That was a lesson I learned very quickly. And you have to learn very quickly as an entrepreneur, or you will have a lot of feedback. (laughs) Yes, I am sure. I'm sure you got that feedback. (laughs) We will not, we would not have this podcast, honestly, if, if I let the perfectionism take over. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. As we're proving right now. (laughs) exactly i think we proved this a lot actually i think we proved it and here we are still boss ladies (laughs) so thank you all thank you all for for continuing to listen (laughs) oh well this is is a great one leading us into people pleasing Mm. and we have a whole episode on people pleasing yes yeah another one that that's i'm still working on but again along well along my way what about you on people pleasing Definitely recovering people pleaser. And I still dip back into that a lot of times. What was super unflattering to me, and this is just a moment of authenticity. What was super unflattering to me is when I gained the self-awareness that my people pleasing was in order to manipulate. Mm. That is rough. You know, that is a rough realization. Wow. Can you speak to that a little bit more? I would use all my Midwestern nice and politeness and get stuff done so that I could use that to get what I wanted in the end. 
And that would be, you know, a promotion or that would be even at home, it would be to gain something in the end. Yeah. Really unflattering. Well, is it now? Now I'm curious. I'm, this is, (laughs) I'm sticking on this point for a moment because is that really so bad in all cases? I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure it's really so bad, but it's definitely not authentic. You know, I wasn't doing things out of love. I wasn't even doing things out of duty or because I'm an honorable person. I was doing it so that I could get what I wanted. Okay. All right. So I'm thinking of the promotion that you're talking about and people at work who might be listening who are saying, I'm, you know, I'm working towards getting a promotion as well. What do I need to do to get that promotion? So I guess there's two ways to go about that. And what you're talking about is, is a manipulation type yes. of way. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah. Cause I mean, I think when we're good at our jobs, when we're, we're professional and we are doing what we need to do, that's what gets us our promotion. Yeah. When we use other means to manipulate our way to that promotion, you know, that's not, that isn't the most honorable thing. And it's definitely not the most authentic. I think there's a way to reach your goals that doesn't have anything to do with manipulation. Now, how does negotiation fit in with manipulation? Because I think a lot of times negotiation and manipulation go hand in hand. Yeah. So, you know, negotiation has, it's its own field. It's its own communication style. And you can use negotiation skills within, you know, within any setting, I know negotiation in terms of crisis intervention and, you know, there's stages. Is there manipulation involved? Maybe it's possible, but I think more negotiation is about building rapport so that you can get to a place of influence. Some people may find that, you know, just semantics, you know, but it's, I don't feel like it is. Mm. I feel like it's, it's really, it's an art. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book right now on negotiation, and it's made me feel very close to you as I read it. (laughs) Never split the difference. Negotiating is if your life depended on it. And it's so fascinating. I'm listening to it on Audible because this is an ex-FBI crisis hostage negotiator Mm -hmm. telling stories about how he used these techniques and then giving examples of how to use these techniques in real life. And my cousin who's reading it said, sounds like he's really teaching you how to be manipulative. So this is why I'm asking these questions because I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, playing around with these ideas and where, you know, where manipulation starts, authenticity ends, where it's needed to have a peaceful negotiation, whether that be with a kidnapper or at the car lot, buying a new car. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Well, and I think when you enter into those certain relationships with the person that you're negotiating in, particularly say a a car lot or a customer service person, you know, each party kind of goes in knowing that they're wanting to get what they want, Mm -hmm. you know, and so they enter into that relationship differently than a manipulation might be. Good point. Very good point. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, I think I got (laughs) such off track, but let's move on. Next barrier is playing the comparison game. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We we deal with this one a lot in our program, I think, with the people that that come in. You know, whether that be comparing your body 
or comparing someone's you know success with their career, whatever it is, this is one that will absolutely take you out of that state of authenticity. What are your thoughts around the comparison game? Well, I mean, it's a game you can't win. You're always going to find, and it's going back to the exterior versus, you know, our our internal lives. We are always going to find someone's best foot forward for our own to be lacking. And it's a bad habit because we're dismissing, we're, we're really dismissing ourselves and it's not reality anyway. So yeah, yeah. bad habit, bad habit. So stop it. <laughs> so cut it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the last one is numbing, distracting, hiding in unhealthy ways from negative emotions. So overeating, eating junk food, over under exercising, using alcohol and drugs. Basically, when you don't have the tools to deal with negative emotions in, in healthy ways, then you've got to hide from them. You got to hide from those emotions. You got to distract yourself. And when you're distracting yourself and taking action based on distraction, you're certainly not able to be your authentic self. Yeah, absolutely. So the key to all of this, and maybe you have some other uh, strategies, Stephanie, but you know, underlying all of this is is self awareness, and mm-hmm. the self empowerment coaching system is all about self awareness all about helping you take that pause, take a step back, look at the thoughts you're having, explore the feelings, approach yourself with curiosity and compassion, and then introduce healthy thoughts that are going to serve you better, which lead to healthier, positive emotions, which lead to actions that are in line with your values and your goals. Yeah. So episode seven, you guys, it's like the key to unlocking almost everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah but it takes practice. Right. Right. Change your thoughts and you'll change your life. You said it. All right. Anything else to add? I can't think of a thing. Amazing. All right, you guys, (laughs) it's been fun. We'll, We'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye.